thanks for pressing play. This is Christopher Lockhead, Folly or Different, and we are a real dialogue podcast, and that means we have real, unedited, unedited, <laughs> take two. Thanks for pressing play. This is Christopher Lockhead, Folly or Different, and we are a real dialogue podcast. We aspire to have real, unedited conversations with the legendary people who are making a difference, particularly in business, marketing, and life. And uh, man, am I ever glad you're here. This is our second in our two-part series on digital business. Um, on the last episode, uh, um, my buddy, digital business guru, Big Ben Ruiz. And if by chance you missed that one, I would encourage you after you're done with Steve Pratt to go back and take a listen. Big Ben is fantastic. On this episode, the legendary Steve Pratt. He is the chief executive of Noodle.ai, and they are a remarkable startup who's on a mission to change global manufacturing and supply chain businesses. And we have a real conversation about how the combination of modern technologies like machine learning, the cloud, the Internet of Things, deep data analytics, and so forth can come together to produce a massive reduction in both economic and environmental waste. We talk about why Steve thinks startups are uniquely uh, positioned to power breakthroughs, uh, particularly in the area that uh, he's focused on with complex ecosystems, supply chain, manufacturing, etc. Now, I've known Steve Pratt for, um, dare I say, almost 30 years, and um, he's had an incredible career. Uh, I met him when he was leading the customer relationship management business for global consultant Deloitte. Um, he was also the founder and chief executive of Infosys's consulting practice, and he also led IBM's Watson initiatives. To say that Steve has deep experience in building and managing massively successful deep technology businesses would be an, understa an understatement. And on this episode, Steve shares some powerful insights into how modern technology can reduce economic and environmental waste at the same time. And if you listen closely, what I think you'll notice is another example of a great missionary CEO. If you're a longtime listener, you know that I believe that E in CEO stands for evangelist. And Steve is an evangelist. They have a point of view, a vision around what they call a world without waste. And you'll hear it weaved throughout uh, our dialogue. Go to lockhead.com for the show notes and key takeaways on this episode, as well as to learn how to get a hold of Steve and noodle.ai if you want to. Now, my friends at NetSuite by Oracle are the world's number one cloud business system for high-growth entrepreneurs, and that's for a reason. They help you capture and monetize the critical accounting and operational data in your business. As a matter of fact, NetSuite is a complete business management system in the cloud, offering you a full picture of all of your finances in one seminal place, real-time from your desktop, your phone, your tablet, or wherever you need to get business done. And NetSuite handles everything from e-commerce to order management to cash management to inventory, manufacturing, and more. And that's what's made NetSuite the platform for growth. Because NetSuite customers actually, on average, grow three times faster than the typical S&P 500 company. And now you can too. Go to NetSuite.com today, NetSuite.com slash different, and schedule your free demo and get your free guide, The Seven Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits. That's netsuite.com slash different. And um, you might have seen uh, the most recent article uh, for Harvard Business Review that Eddie Yoon and myself wrote. It's all about the power of building a data flywheel if you want to become a category queen, category king business. I think we're at a point in history where data is more valuable than cash. And that's why I love my friends at Splunk. Splunk is the leader in data to everything. Splunk brings data to every question, every decision, and every action in real time when required. Check out splunk.com slash D2E. That's splunk.com slash D2E as in data to everything, and you can learn how to turn data into doing. I also want to let you know, coming soon, we have a stunning two-part series with the real DEA narcos, Javier Pena and Steve Murphy. These are the two American heroes who, who partnered 
with Colombian law enforcement over a period of more than six years to take down the world's first and most terrifying narco-terrorist, Pablo Escobar. If you love the Netflix store and the Netflix smash hit Narcos, that's these guys. They're the real thing. And we do a two-part episode, a two-part series coming up. In the first, uh, we get the real story of what happened, and you'll learn things uh, never talked about or exposed on Netflix Narcos from the guys who were there. In the second episode, we dig into Javier and Murph's key life and leadership lessons they had from their almost 40-year careers serving in the DEA. It's uh, it's stunning, stunning podcasting, I'm telling you. Don't forget to hit subscribe, and you'll get those episodes when they come out. Uh, and now, here comes Steve Pratt. Hey-ho, let's go. I think the fundamental breakthrough is going to be learning algorithms, right? And and the fact that computers can learn from data and find patterns in data that you can't find right now is not only going to change uh, businesses, but it's going to change society, right? I, I think you know the focus of our company is to create a world without waste, applying advanced data science, and this whole the way we've scaled things right now with sloppy decision making is created, you know, amazing hyper growth of the economy, uh, but it's also created hyper waste. And the amount of crap that we produce uh, that we just throw away or in the houses is burning up all these, burning up cash for companies and burning up resources in the world and and i think that we're going to look back in 20 years and anyone who's using fixed business rules and small data to make important business decisions is going to be like the people who get their email printed out and they can you know <laughs> so they you can mean review like it. Those who represent our country in congress those types of people <laughs> yes exactly exactly right <laughs> Could like, you come you know, in here and read me my emails again, please? Yes. <laughs> um, and so maybe let's go to Noodle. It sounds like a very exciting company. Um, tell me about the mission. Yeah. So the intention of the company, like I said, is to apply data science to create a world without waste. And we reject this notion historically that you had to choose between profits and the planet. Um, just to give you an example of, right, using, you know, current ERP systems and CRM systems that we have over $500 billion of excess inventory sitting in warehouses. You've got 50% of the trucks driving around are empty. Uh, you've got about $400 billion of stuff that's thrown out in the manufacturing process because of quality defects. And these are all preventable. Right. Hold and, on, I want to really back you up there, handsome. You yeah. threw out some good stats there. So five hundred billion in in yeah. waste in where? It, it's it's shit sitting in warehouses that shouldn't be there. Right? And you mean like yeah. shit that's depreciating, like bananas that are vaporizing, or what kind, or all kinds of shit? All kind, everything, everything. Right. I mean, if you look at the 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 ability of companies to make decisions of where they should send the stuff that they make is so bad right now that they just like flood channels with inventory and, and that doesn't need to be there. Right. So on one hand, you've got lost sales because you don't have stuff that gets to the shelf for us to consume. And then you've got this other thing where you're air freighting, you know, uh, stuff to warehouses that's going to, and it's just it's just bad decision making. I mean, the inherent limitations of the math of SAP and Oracle, right? I mean, ABAP, the core mathematical functions in ABAP, which is the programming language for SAP, is addition, subtraction, multiplication, division, right? And some logarithmic functions. And like 
because it was written when computers were like deadly slow. And now we can do multivariate calculus, advanced probability theory, advanced statistics that says, like, don't send. And, and the cumulative effect of that is profound on the economy. So the, you know, a lot of people have analyzed where the waste is in the world. And over 90% of the waste in the world is in how we make things and move things around. Like, you know, recycling is great, right? Right, you know, like making sure that we write whatever compost things is great. It's a rounding error, right? Most of the most of it is like we're manufacturing trillions of dollars of stuff and it's and and you know about five hundred billion of it in the US is stuff we didn't need to make. Because it's just sitting there. You know, it's like wow. that scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark where, you know, you like the, you know, you like, <laughs> like miles and miles of boxes sitting in a warehouse that don't need to be there. And just because of bad math. See, I always knew math was important. Yes. Right. Even though it was right. over for me in grade three, but that's a different conversation. Um, yeah. You know, well, well, you know, the the amazing thing about math and AI, right? So, like most of the math that we're using in advanced AI, the supposed advanced AI was written in the 1950s and 60s, right? And in fact, one of the core algorithms of AI, which is Bayes' theorem, was developed in the 1700s by, by a, an English, like an English cleric, right? And so, you know, we need more mathematicians. We need more, like, have your kids become mathematicians, Right. We've got the computer speed. We've got the data. Now we just need like smart, you know, people who can do the math. It's interesting that you say that. My uh, my buddy, Doug Merritt, who's the CEO of Splunk, says data is the answer. Right. It's sort of like it that it almost doesn't yeah. matter what the question is. There's there is a likely uh, high degree of likelihood that there's going to be um, data as, as part of the answer. Whatever the question. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's like we're making decisions now based on hunches and blinders on and, you know, you know, politics, you know, within companies and all of this shit. It's like, just, just like do the math, <laughs> right? I mean, you, you have historic data, you know, the patterns in your company, you know, that, you know, I mean, like we, we do a lot in the manufacturing process to, and we're doing this really cool thing to predict energy and, and it can calculate that, you know, if it rained last week and the chemistry of your scrap steel is this, and you're making it like this, that you're going to use this much energy and you can sell the excess back to the grid, right? Saves, you know, uh, you know, megatons of, or megawatts of energy, megawatt hours of energy, and it reduces cost dramatically, right? So it's, you know, I mean, w w one of our first customers in this area just became the world's first lead certified steel mill, which seems like an oxymoron, hmm. right? Well, explain like, that to me. What, do, what exactly does that mean? So lead certification is, uh, is, a, is a, an award you get for environmental sustainability. And, and, Steel manufacturing is one of the dirtiest, right, industries in the world, right? But what we've been able to do, the name of this company is Big River Steel in Osceola, Arkansas. And so, so with our applications, consumption to reduce inventory levels, to reduce quality defects, and, you know, and they have, they are the, uh, the most profitable per employee uh, the highest profit per mill hour, uh, the lowest environmental impact uh, of any steel mill in the world, right? In fact, the U.S. Steel just bought 49% of them. And the Wall Street Journal article was about they bought them to get access to their AI technology. And so we're huge fans of Big River Steel and their leadership and U.S. Steel. And, you know, it's a, revo it's a revolution, right? That, you know, they, to your point before, like, They've had all this this data, right? Typical steel mill puts up about a petabyte of data a year that just sits there. And now it's like 
like, holy shit, there's a lot of value in that data, in those data. You know, it's so fascinating because um, I've been waiting for you, Steve. Uh, I, I remember um, the first time I really understood IoT. And of course, yeah. IoT wasn't the term for it at the time, but I, there were terms like the Terranet and the physical internet and all that. But this, this aha that, oh, wait a minute, as... Uh, to your point, is compute power, so microchips, uh, and therefore sensor sensors and so forth become uh, cheaper and more readily available that we're going to connect everything to the internet. And now I look yeah. at it and go, I there's a party trick or party parlor game. Uh, name me something that's not going to be connected to the internet. Right? Yeah. And, I, and like my, I, my daughter, my, yeah, my daughter just bought me a coffee mug that's like, Wi-Fi enabled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and what does it do? It, I can control the the temperature of my coffee from my phone. Oh, I think I need that because I'm a guy who <laughs> I like my coffee fucking hot, Steve. So I take it out, yeah. out of the coffee maker. I pour it in. I drink it black. I like my coffee with coffee in it. And then I put it in the microwave for 35 seconds. And then I drink black <laughs> coffee that hot. Wow. So yeah. this, so you, what's you, the name you, of you need this? Up? Ember. Ember. Uh, the other one that I saw not that long ago during the, the holiday season recently was the emergence of the quote unquote smart ball. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. And have you seen these things? They have the basketballs and so forth that they paint with certain paint. And then you put your phone or your iPad and it, 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 because of the paint job they put on it, it, it analyzes what you're doing and then it cross references yeah. it with some set of shit. And then it essentially tells you how to improve your basketball game or your volleyball game or what have you. Have you heard of these? Yeah, things? right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm a big tennis player and I've got, you know, I, one of my rackets has a chip in it and it analyzes where I hit the ball, you know, the speed, the spin, my shoes have chips in them. Like, you know, acceleration, durate, you know, uh, distance covered. Yeah, it's freaking amazing. And so I just remember this aha, you know, now more than a decade ago about how how we're going to get it. Everything's going to have a sensor. Everything's going to have a computer on it. Um, you know, of course, our cars today are not cars. They're data centers with wheels um, yeah. uh, or, you know, how, whatever analogy you want. Uh, a Tesla is an iPhone you know, um, yeah. and so this smartification of everything is happening. And the other interesting thing, of course, because of um, the cloud and mobile technology is, and I got to believe this matters in your world, but you'll tell me, um, the real-time nature of it. That is to say, I can connect a warehouse, I can connect a truck, I can connect uh, shipping containers, I can connect uh, pieces of equipment, I can connect inventory, I can connect... I, I can automate sensors and, and, and so forth throughout a manufacturing and distribution process so that I know what, what's going on all the time everywhere. Is, is that this reality that we've sort of been dreaming about, hearing about, um, beginning to happen yes. now? Is that what you're telling me in the steel business? Yes. And, and then, like, you know, like, what the fuck do you do about it? Right. So you have all this information. And so it's taking it to the next level of saying, let's make predictions, which is what AI is. You make predictions and then recommendations on, hey, if you continue the way you're doing this, you're going to have a crack in your steel. So slow down the, the line or spray more water or put more pressure on the rollers. Uh, because when you combine all these, 2000 factors, it's going to lead to a crack. And no human brain could understand the interrelationship of those thousands of factors, but now you can. And so, uh, and, and that's what's exciting is that you can get rid of the stuff that's thrown out in manufacturing. You can have trucks that are full. You can, you know, you can have warehouses that look almost empty and have higher stuff on the shelves so or higher availability on the shelves it's i mean that will fundamentally change the world right if we can 
take a shot at cutting down that 90% of the waste in the world. Because, I mean, we this this hyper growth and hyper waste can't continue. There's just too many of us, right? A billion people on the planet. And what was the stat about um, the percentage of trucks that are uh, empty? 42 billion. Five zero. billion miles of truck mile uh, truck miles every year, empty trucks driving around. Wow. So when you're on the highway and you see one of those big semis, if it's an average semi, half of it is empty. Um, more precisely, it's, probably either full there's a 50 percent chance it's full and a 50 percent chance it's completely empty i see so you know we're are we now going to get to this dream that we've had ever since the sort of creation of uh you know it's been called different things but manufacturing and distribution software erp software where we're actually going to have true synchronization across of a, if you'll allow me this much jargon, across a value chain. Uh, yes. Although, ER, like, you know, ERP systems do a pretty good job of that right now, right? So you think of ERP as a workflow, right? This is how companies run. Like, you know, some guy in, right, at SAP came up with, here's how you do whatever. And, and a workflow is made up of of boxes and diamonds, right? A box is a, an action and a diamond is the decision, right? ERP is really good at actions, like create a shipping manifest, right? I move this thing from here to here, so I debit here and credit here. It's really bad at highly complex, high value, high volume decisions. So those diamonds, like it sucks, right? So that's where AI comes in. AI is is replacing these key diamonds within the workflow and helping us make better decisions. So the way like uh, our supply chain AI works is we have a, a connection into SAP. We make where SAP just melts down, right? We make the decision or, or you know, we work with the inventory planner to make the decision and then it writes it back into SAP. So SAP is really good at, you know, coordinating across and linking everything together and single source of truth. And, and it's critically important, but, but really bad at, uh, at really complex decisions because it was architected 30 years ago. Well, the technology didn't exist. Yeah. Um, So here's the aha for me. Uh, And when I got this, I started to begin to, I think, understand your world, but I want to bounce this off of you. Essentially, if you say the information technology industry is, let's just call it 50 years old, plus or minus. Yep. Um, for the vast majority, and I say this like an idea, for the vast majority of those 50 years, uh, data has been, for the most part, again, asterisk, asterisk, a record of what happened. Mm-hmm. You buy something, there's a receipt. There's a GL entry, there's an accounts receivable, there's an accounts payable against that. It was in your inventory at a cost. You can figure out your profit, blah, 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 blah. But essentially, we capture something. It, it's a piece of data. And the what we're going to do is later on, to your point about, about the diamonds and so forth, we're going to look at that data to make decisions. Oh, should we increase prices? Uh, should we focus on this customer set, whatever we analyze data after the fact, because data is a record of what happened that we do analysis on after the fact. And the big transformation I think going on now is while that obviously will continue to be true, the big aha for me is data is now the thing that makes things happen and drives things to happen in the future. So it makes things happen in the present. That is to say, there are these correlations that get connected, boom, 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 and then something happens, something gets triggered, something gets enabled, whatever, a transaction gets driven, however you want to think about it. And then based on that, it sort of um, 
pushes the direction that we're going into the future. So data has moved from a, a record of what happened to the thing that makes things happen in the present and into the future. Yep. But I'm curious how you think about it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I think the the big breakthrough is in is in predictions and rec- and and optimizations into the future, right? Historically, what we've done is to look at the data going backwards. Like business intelligence is backward looking. What happened? AI is future looking. What will happen? What's the best action I can take to optimize? Right, whatever, whatever I'm trying to optimize going going forward, and like that's a that's a fundamental a fundamental breakthrough, and and you know I mean the the problem with just looking at the data going backwards is then humans get involved with imperfect data and cognitive biases kick in, right? There's there's loss aversion. There's the um, there's uh, you know last time we had, well, last time we raised prices, bad things happened. So let's not do that again, right? Or and but taking it completely under misunderstanding all the detailed correlations of yeah the reason it failed last time is because these you know forty two things we're in this alignment, but now those 42 things are in a different alignment and it's going to work this time. Right. And all that subtlety is lost because the human brain can't deal with that. The human brain is an amazing thing and much better at computers at certain things, but not in finding subtle patterns in very complex data. Yes. Uh, I love this term dark data. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I, I also love the fact that we're able to correlate things in 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 ways that human beings may not necessarily, right? There there may be things affecting our inventory, affecting our supply chain that are um uh, uh beyond the normal that are that sit outside of even an experienced an executive in that industry might consider. And so there's there's all this what if that can go on. And in some cases, those what if correlations can be either real time or near real time and, and, and yield interesting results. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a lot of talk about deep learning and neural nets and like, oh, this like magical stuff that does somehow does something. It's it's just a regression, right? It's a it's a technically a stacked logistic regression. That's I mean, it's just a simple, you know, like, okay, you know. If the temperature goes up, right, on the flame, the water gets hotter, right? That's a simple, linear, two-dimensional, like, regression. Just think of that, not in two dimensions. I can understand that, Steve. Yes, not not two dimensions, not linear, but, like, a thousand-dimension nonlinear regression that makes human head explode. Like, what do you mean a thousand dimensions? But mathematically, that's simple, right? Especially with you know, the, 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 the computers we have today, it's like, it's, you know, not even breaking a sweat. So we can find all those nuances. And so, and so where are we in the adoption? I mean, you guys are fair to say a startup. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And you're building this shit out primarily for uh, manufacturing and supply chain. Is that my reading this right? You're correct. Yes. And so where are we in the smartification, the AIization, the algorithm addition <laughs> of, of our manufacturing and supply chain uh, here in the United States? Uh, 2% complete. Yeah. And yeah, so, I mean, I mean, so, so, I mean, so first of all, there's this massive AI head fake going on that a lot of people are falling for that AI equals natural language processing and text analytics and image recognition. And, and those are really sexy, fun, easy to understand things, but that's not where the action is. The action is in numbers, in numeric data, right? There are, there are a lot of people who've gotten a lot of uh, attention on image recognition and text analytics, right? So, you know, Watson got its origins as winning the game show Jeopardy, analyzing text, right? You can't solve most of the world's complex problems by analyzing text. It's 
numeric data is the key, right? And so there's this massive head fake going on, and people really don't understand where the action is really going to be, right? So computer, and it'll talk back, and that's AI. Like, yeah, but that's just, you know, that's a that's in my opinion, that's a gimmick. Right. And not where the action is. And so where is the action, Steve? Where it, if I'm the CEO of a manufacturing or distribution or logistics type company and I say, OK, Steve, I'm in. Yeah. Where, where is the action? How Get my head straight. Yeah. So right now, let's say you have 10,000 SKUs, 10,000 products that you need to deliver. So one of our customers has over 100,000 SKUs products. They need to deliver to more than 50 countries and couldn't figure this out. So if you want to increase the profitability of your company by tens, maybe even $100 million and bring down your carbon footprint, right? Apply these technologies. And with the simple fact of where should I send my shit that I build, that I make, right? Very simple. I mean, it's a super complex problem, very simple to understand. Like I have my factory, I make stuff, where do I send it, right? That is one of the the biggest sources of economic waste and, and environmental waste in the world, just that. The other side is like when you, when you make stuff, right? When you make stuff, like don't, don't make faulty crap, right? Make, <laughs> right? Don't, don't, they're like, I love that. <laughs> that should be, a, that should be up on the wall. Don't make faulty crap. Yes. Right. Cause like 5% of everything you make, you throw out like what a waste. Like you burn through the raw materials, you burn through the energy, you, your people, like you should see it coming. You should see it coming. Right. And the math exists to see it coming. So apply these techniques and in like increase your quality, increase the yield of your manufacturing process. And as part of it, and I'll give you an analogy of a company that I saw recently that sort of lit, lit my brain up, but part of it is also um, data correlations and being able to connect things that you couldn't connect in a, in some cases, a real-time way. Yeah. And I'll give you the example that I'm thinking of. It's a company um, actually in the East Bay uh, called Zonehaven. Have you heard of them by chance? I have not. So they're a big data company startup that is focused on firefighting. Mm -hmm. And essentially what they've been able to do is, is a number of things. Number one, you can put sensors in, in fire prone areas, sensors and cameras. So, uh, you know, I lived in the Sierras for quite some time and, and the way this used to happen is you'd build a giant tower mm -hmm. and you'd pay a dude to sit in that <laughs> tower and look for smoke. Right? Yes. So you can go hike those towers there. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> how you look for forest fires, right? Yeah. So the zone haven guy said, okay, maybe not. So let's put sensors, cameras, and so forth in high, um, high uh, fire areas, right? So the minute something starts, they can tell you. Yeah. And then if it's a real fire, they begin to correlate all sorts of data. So for example, well, where's the fire? What are all the roads to get there? So how do the firefighters get there, right? And it, I don't know if they use Waze or not, but of course there's things like Waze and all the Google Maps and all this sort of stuff where you could tell what traffic patterns are. So just by using topological data, they can they can tell you A, how to get the firefighters there, and then B, where all the people living near this fucking fire are right. and what the best routes are to get them out if evacuation is required. And then in addition to that, they correlate weather data. What's the wind doing? What's the sun doing? Is it going to rain? Is it this? Is it that? And so forth and so on. And so yeah. the, the, what they're able to do using IoT, cloud, and, and what historically we've called big data, what I think today we're calling AI and machine learning, is correlating a set of things in a very real-time nature to, to predictively figure out, well, to A, figure out where the fire is, B, predict where it's going, and C, be prescriptive about what firefighters and the public can and should do to mitigate the situation. And when they lay all this out in front of you, you sit there, at least I did, sit there and went, holy shit. You know, this is the promise of the kind of technology that we're talking about. And so the big aha for me yeah. is sort of this ability to correlate things in a much more real-time basis to become much more predictive and proactive. 
And so I'm just curious how you think about this, particularly in the supply chain. Yeah, well, f- well, first of all, that's a you're you're right on point for that. I mean, that is the cool stuff. And you listed off a few things that it could take into account. It could also be hundreds and hundreds of things, like what's the relative humidity, what's the type of fuel that's in that location, what's the, you know, how many lanes are there in the road. There's there's also another emerging area, you know, uh, from at least from an application point of view which is something called reinforcement learning. It's like the last time we had a fire, like what did we do well and where did we fuck up? And let's learn from that. And the computer can actually go through and say, okay, like, you know, feedback and actually come up and improve the business rules, right? So so it's learning, right? And it's getting better. Each, each time there's a fire, we learn from what we did well and what we didn't do well last time. And it's this, like, you know, most software right now is some dude or, or, or dudette, right, sitting there and, and typing in fixed business rules that never change, right? And, and the best it ever is is the day you write it, and then it gets worse and worse, and then some salesperson shows up and you upgrade, right? So AI, you, the data writes the rules, and as you get more data, it learns and gets better and better over time. And so, so, so in the firefighting case, right, which is dear to my heart because my son was a firefighter and actually started a firefighting equipment check app company that he sold when he was 21. And (laughs) so now, now, now has a little bit of a nest egg, right? So anyway, so I like firefighting, (laughs) but the, uh, uh, but I, I think, you know, when it comes to supply chain, it's the same kind of thing, right? Like what do, and it's, and, and the nice part about supply chain is it's, it's so fast paced that you learn faster and you get better and you say, Hey, the last time we did this, we took this action that this went wrong. And so we're, we're learning and the business rules are constantly improving, which to me is also super exciting. So here's what's, uh, so I think all this stuff's exciting. I think it's probably the most, you tell me, is this the most exciting thing you've seen in, let's call them business or enterprise applications in, in your 232-year uh, career here, Steve? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean you know, it's, it's, it's more exciting than saying, hey, we need to integrate sales, marketing, and service. <laughs> right. I mean, you, you led... You led Deloitte Consulting's yeah, CR- uh, CRM practice. CRM practice yeah. yeah. At the dawn of CRM. And it felt very exciting back then, right? It did. But it, it, was, it was the thing I like about this is it's like first principles. Like we suck at making decisions. Let's make better decisions. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the other thing to the point I think we were just on, which is the decision, the decision piece is part of it. But the other big piece is the, if I could use this term, the actioning of shit, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. That then like shit happens and, and shit happens in an automated real time way. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the, the, right. Exactly. I mean, the, the speed at which it can react. I mean, so like in these steel mills, we've got edge devices that take the raw sensor data. It does these massively complex correlations and regressions was basically what it is. Um, and then it, and then it says like immediately slow down the roller or, 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 or spray more water or, you know, given the fact that the scrap has this chemistry and the relative humidity is this and we're building this and it's going to go to the galvanizing line that make these 20 adjustments in real time. Like that's no technology could do that before it was, everything was based on averages. Right. I mean, we like, you know, yeah. 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 I'm just trying to think, I, I, I want to say it was Deming who said this, but I might be making this up. Uh, uh, I think what W. Edwards Deming said was the factory of the future was going to have a, a computer, a man, and a dog. And the dog's job was to make sure the man didn't touch the computer. 
Right, right, right. No. I'm not sure if he said that, but I, I, my whiskey-soaked mind thinks he said that. Yeah. So are, I, I, are we I, getting I, to I, that? I, point? I've heard that. I don't know. I, I don't recall that was Deming or someone else, right? Or right. But the, I actually think that the human preserve word. I'll tell you what AI sucks at. AI sucks at not no. of lipstick, you know, a certain type of lipstick. And the data I have is the guinea pig population in Peru, right? The computer won't know, like, that's stupid. A human's going to be like, that's stupid. There's no way I'm going to predict the demand for lipstick given the guinea pig population in Peru, right? But all the all the computer will do is analyze the guinea correlation to lipstick and say, like, I couldn't find anything. But it, so, right. I thought people put lipstick on pigs, not guinea yes, pigs. Right. But maybe they're, maybe they're branching exactly. so, out I mean, now. So that, I mean, <laughs> there is, and we don't understand this: is how and how can uh, the human brain so be so good at at that kind of reasoning? And I mean, I, I think one thing is we're constantly taking in new data sources. Right and not deep data, but we're taking we're we're analyzing every time every time I look at something or hear something or touch something, I'm getting data and and we can do correlations there, and we're not really good at the at the at the deep calculations, but a but a computer doesn't have that perspective. Well, and the interesting so, thing, I mean, you sorry, go ahead. Yeah, you can say it's it's common sense. I mean, you know. Uh, you know, you know, and and you know the example they give also is like if you show a picture to a human and there's a kid there and the lamp is knocked over and there's like a slingshot and you ask the human what happened right before this picture, it's like well you know the 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 kid hit the slingshot into the lamp and computer couldn't figure that out. No computer in the world could tell you what happened right before this picture was taken. Yeah. But interestingly enough, um, you know, and uh, maybe I'm talking too much about this, but my buddy Eddie Yoon and I have been writing and talking a lot about data flywheels. We wrote an article for HBR about it and how it relates to becoming a category queen, category king business. And there is an interesting argument that I think a lot of people are missing today, which is um, in order to be a category dominating business, um, a major component today of success. And I think we might be at the point or we're certainly close to the point where you sort of quote unquote have to have a data flywheel. And and here's what I mean by that. If you look at Tesla versus a traditional automobile manufacturer, because Tesla views the car, I think in the same way that Apple views an iPhone. And I think Ford looks at a car as a car. Yeah. And so if, 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 if your product is a technology platform with a whole bunch of sensors and cameras and emitting data, and your job as a company is to build a data flywheel that provides you with a whole set of insights around customers, around products, around technology, around quality, around usage pattern, around all sorts of things. And then your job is to monetize that data. I think you think about um, your product and therefore your business in in I don't know how you think about how you think about it, but maybe a na- a digital native way, yeah. As opposed to right. most people, which is they say, "Oh, I make a product or I have a service, and now I want to sprinkle some digital shit on it." As opposed to, no, no, my product or my service is inherently a digital native product or service, and therefore my my the, the core of my business is to capture the data that's being emitted, uh, and and you know, if you allow me the jargon, monetize that data. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm a big fan of uh, the CEO of Big River Steel. His name is Dave Stickler. And he says over and over, like, I'm running a technology company that just happens to make steel. 
right? And it's that fundamental framework that allows him to do these absolute breakthrough things in a in a in a kind of an old school industry, right? And and you're absolutely right about Tesla. I mean, it's 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 you know, I get excited. I have I have a Tesla. I get excited. You know, one day I wake up and I have insane plus mode in my car. And then another day I wake up and hey, there's Spotify. And then there's you know, and now I have asteroids. And now I have another type of fart that I can you know subject to someone in the back seat. <laughs> Do you, it's a weird thing to say. Do you like the way your car farts, there, Steve? <laughs> There's many choices. There's many choices. Did you say asteroids? Like the video game asteroids? Yeah. Centipede, asteroids. You can now play- yeah. Wow. Yeah. Maybe once they get Space Invaders and Pac-Man, maybe I'll buy one of those things. Yes. <laughs> That's what you need. $150,000 Atari device in your garage. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. World's most expensive <laughs> Xbox. And, and so... Um, it's interesting. I was, I was just on a call with a bunch of entrepreneurs talking about data flywheels. And one of the things that I said to him, and I'd be curious to get your reaction because it feels like it might be a big part of your business is they were like, yeah, but they, they were saying to me, they were small, you know, smaller uh, kind of uh, SMB type companies, right? Family businesses and things like, and they're like, well, you know, I'm not sure we have that much data. Yeah. And I said, well, I think you're probably emitting more data than you realize. First of all, your accounting ERP system is probably delivering a lot more data than you're using, to, to your point on the SAP discussion. And then you got data analytics on your website, and you probably have some kind of a customer service. You know. So I started walking them through. If you were to whiteboard out or, or, or imagine putting a bunch of um, you know, the 3M stickies up on a conference room wall and, and flow chart out the quote unquote customer journey from the first time they touch you to, you know, kind of cradle to grave. And then just ask yourself in your as is business with your as is technology at each customer touch point on this life cycle, where does data happen? Yes. And as we started to walk through that, even with small business owners, Steve, you could just see their minds exploding in that they, they didn't realize how much data they already had, even with basic systems, even with Quicken or, yeah. you know, Google Analytics on their website, like even the simplest of shit. Yeah. And so I guess this leads me to a question, which is if I'm a CEO of a major corporation or I'm a small business owner, regardless of where I am, where do I start to think about um, you know, getting, getting in the game here. Yeah. So there's one conversation about small businesses versus big businesses. If you're a big business, which is, I think where AI comes in more, cause it's where the human brain like stops working well. And when it gets to certain levels of complexity, right. Is, is if, if you have a lot of people you've hired to solve problems, in a fairly manual way, that's a good place to start, right? So this cosmetics company we're working with had 600 people in their inventory planning area, right? And because because SAP just failed, right? SAP was giving them hundreds of thousands of alerts because it couldn't figure it out and say, you guys figure it out. And and so they hired you know these hundreds of people to figure it out. That That's a symptom that something's wrong. Right. And like it and and you can't like daisy chain together human brains to create one big brain. Right. It doesn't work. It doesn't work that way. Right. Right. So you need like you need a supercomputer with lots of data to work with these planners. So. On the on the small, medium business, uh, you know, I actually don't think you need AI personally. Right. I think it's overkill. I think I think you probably don't have enough data. I think if you just like took even good old fashioned Excel and analyze the data and find and and it's that depending on how big the business is, right? I mean if you know it's 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 like I don't need AI to run Noodle, right? I mean we're still a relatively small company. We just have a couple hundred people and and so I, you know, it's within the human brain's ability to figure out the patterns, right? But you need to analyze it, right? You just can't ignore it. But when it gets to billions of dollars of inventory going, you know, in with 
millions of combinations, that's when you need AI. Got it. And I'd be curious, uh, you sort of got to ask you, um, as a seasoned entrepreneur and executive, if I was an entrepreneur or executive for that matter, wanting to um, uh, get into this field saying, hey, you know what? I think these guys are right. I think um, we're at a very exciting time in technology and I want to I want to start or join a company that is at the forefront of machine learning, AI, the smartification of everything, you know, all the good shit. Um, how, how do you think about starting and building a startup um, around these technologies in this new world? Yeah, I would say find some very complex, high value decision where current software just can't handle it, right? Because, you know, it's dealing with incomplete data. It's dealing with uh, fixed business rules. There's hundreds and hundreds of areas, right? That and and startups will start popping up all over the place that to solve these problems, and then there will be some consolidation. I would say start there, right? The, you know, I, I there are a lot of companies right now that are trying to, like, you know, give you a tool and telling their their customers like, good luck figuring it out. Here's some tools to help you figure it out and these companies are struggling, right? I mean, to, to, to figure it out. Cause I, I don't need a platform. I need an answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I try to explain this to entrepreneurs all the time. People only buy solutions if they have problems. So you got to figure out what problem. You're having. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so for entrepreneurs, look for a big hairy problem that you believe for one reason or another is, is inadequately solved or not, uh, solvable with current technology and that potentially machine learning, AI, smart algorithms, blah, 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 numeric algorithms, as you call them, could be yeah. applied for some, some kind of exponential breakthrough here. Yeah, absolutely. And they're all over the place, right? They're all over the place. Yeah. yeah. And um, maybe put this in contrast for me in terms of impact. You know, I, of course, you and I grew up at the same time, the ERP, CRM revolutions, felt like those things were making a very big impact at the time. How does the impact of this kind of new technology feel compared to when we were doing CRM and ERP? Um, much more massive and fundamental, right? I mean, I, I, I actually think that CRM, ERP, are laid the foundation for where we are today. Like if if our data were the the great thing about ERP and CRM is consolidation of data, right? And 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 we have a single point now where we have for the most part trusted data, right? There's always problems, but for the most part trusted data. That we're we're building on top of that now. Now you can actually do something with those data that you could could never do before and and so i i think if you go if you go in the wayback machine going from mrp to erp was a fundamental breakthrough because it like connected shit together right you weren't operating in silos and it didn't take you three months to close the books right so so i think you know the thank goodness we did that because because now we can do this which is much cooler I love it. Uh, anything else you want to touch on before we wrap, Dr. Pratt? No, I'm a huge fan of yours, and I appreciate your time very much. Well, Steve, you know, what's what's fun, I'm, you'll tell me, um, but what's fun about having had a, a career like you and I have had, uh, I was trying to remember this morning how long we've known each other. Do you, do you know? Uh, since Vantive. Yeah, I was wondering if it was before that, but it, let's say it was. It may have been. I feel like I might have met you before I moved to California. Um, could be through Bo, maybe. Yeah, I'm not 100% pot, but it was in that yeah. time frame. You and I will be pushing up on easily 25 years. Yes. If we're not yes. there already. And it's and you've been a, you've been a great inspiration. 
Uh, well, that's cool. I think seriously, of you to yeah, say seriously. I think you've been a great inspiration and it's just fun. You know, one of the benefits they don't tell you when you're young uh, in business is that if you're, you know, if you get this remotely right, you're going to meet a set of people and, and you're going to have these relationships. I'll never forget Bob Howe, the, the founding CEO of Scient. You know, he was about, I don't know, 50 or 55 at the time. And he said, you know, and I was 30 and he said, people ask me all the time, you know, how I know all these CEOs. And he said, this is how I know all these CEOs. When I met them, they weren't CEOs. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. And so I just, I love your career. I love the fact that I've known you this long. I've loved the fact that I got to see you do all these different creative things and how cool that, you know, I hope this is the big cherry on the Sunday at the end here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm super proud of our team. I'm right. Proud of myself for doing it. All right. For, and it's fun to, as you know, it's fun to see an idea become a reality. I mean, four years ago, this was a, you know, right. An arm waving idea, right. Yeah. Didn't nothing existed. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm having a great time. Well, congratulations, Steve. I, uh, I'm really yeah. stoked to see you and I'm stoked for your success. And I'm really glad we've had this time together. All right. Thanks. Stay legendary. My see friend. You. <laughs> okay. Thanks. Well, I sure hope you enjoyed that conversation with my buddy, the legendary Steve Pratt. Uh, it was a, a real joy having him on the podcast and getting getting caught up with him. I also want to let you know, on our next episode, we have another uh, entrepreneur, a self-made billionaire, the founder of Paychex, Tom Golisano, has a brand new book out, and it's already a bestseller. The book's called Built Not born and we have an incredible conversation that i think you're going to love i also want to remind you coming very soon we have a very special two-part series with the real dea narcos javier pena and steve murphy are here they came in studio live they flew to california we spent the better part of a day together it was wonderful getting to know these guys and i can't wait to share my conversations with the real dea narcos with you soon all right we would like to thank the legendary Steve Pratt, chief executive of Noodle. Check him out on the internet at noodle.ai. And uh, always go to lockhead.com and check out the show notes for this episode. And um, we would love it if you shared the shit out of this episode. Also want to thank my friends at onelifefullylive.org. This is the nonprofit helping you dream, plan, and live your best life. Check them out, the number one, lifefullylive.org. Now, are you a thought leader looking to get your leading thoughts on some of the leading podcasts? My friends at uh, interviewvalet.com can help you. Check them out, interviewvalet.com. And if you're an entrepreneur, an entrepreneurial person, and you care about innovation and growth, check out growwire.com, growwire.com today. And if you're looking to scale yourself, why not consider the power of a virtual assistant with my friends at Bottleneck Virtual Assistants. Check them out online, bottleneck.online today. And if you're in the B2B space, you know how important your website is. As a matter of fact, your website is often the first thing that people experience about your business. And my friends at Autranet have been building legendary websites in Silicon Valley for more than 20 years. Check them out at atre.net. That's atre.net today. And the good folks at Save the Waves Foundation. Check them out at savethewaves.org. This podcast is the sole property of the Lodcast. Uh, the Lodcast? <laughs> I know I say this a lot too. If you're going to have an oddcast or a podcast, you should learn how to talk. Um, <laughs> all rights do remain disturbed. We must warn you that clearly this podcast gets created in a studio that does contain nuts. Please te teach entrepreneurship. Remember to start or join a company that's worthy of having you involved. Don't be lame. Get out of the passing lane. It is illegal in much of the United States to go slow in the left-hand lane. Listen to Lucinda Williams. Thank you, Candy Dandy. I love you, Mom and Dad. And hey, Colin, this podcast really ties the room together, doesn't it? Today, our deepest apologies go to Greg Clark, former CEO of Symantec. Sorry, Greg, we just ran out of time for you. That's it, my friends. I really do appreciate you investing part of your life with me. And until we're together again, of course, follow your difference.